Hi, we here at Grace Life would love to help you discover Jesus' unconditional love and grace for you. We pray that this message will be a blessing to you and further establish you in the truth of God's Word. So we're busy with our series on Ephesians and um, we're in chapter 4 now and the the, the gist of the series, it's really in all of the writings of the, 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 the apostles, the epistles, is really this explanation of the mystery that's been hidden um, through the, 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 from the beginning of time, there's been a mystery uh, being hidden uh, from Genesis to Malachi. And then we see the gospels, Jesus coming onto the scene, the mystery becoming more of a reality until Jesus' death, his resurrection and outpouring of the spirit. And Paul and the epistles are explaining this mystery that has become a reality to us. And that's really what um, all of the epistles and Ephesians, as we've seen already, is really all about. First three chapters, all about the Spirit of God living in man. And then chapter four, five, and six, the Spirit of God living through man. And it's really uh, that simple. We've made it very complicated. We've made it a whole bunch of things. And uh, you're trying to find a way in this big kind of puzzle do I fit into? No, it's very simple. It's God's spirit living in man, God's spirit living through man. That's the gospel. That's God's heart's desire for all men to come to to salvation, the spirit of God living in man, and for all of them to come to the knowledge of the truth, because the more we come to the knowledge of the truth, the more our lives are being transformed, the more we see Jesus living through us. And so that is really the simple gospel that we get to preach. And, um, if we, if we make the gospel as simple as it uh, actually is, the more people are going to actually start stepping out and sharing that gospel. Amen. If we take out all of the other things that it hasn't been, then we're going to see more believers being actually confident in this simple gospel message of Christianity. Amen. So recap quickly from last week, we looked at the Holy Spirit's desire for the church to come to unity. And that unity is something specific. Oftentimes, we've uh, thought about it being a whole bunch of different things, but the unity is really summed up in Ephesians 4.13 from the Living Bible, just uh, taking out a, a piece, there, believing alike about our salvation and our Savior. The Living Bible says to believe alike, to come in unity is to believe alike about our salvation and our Savior, because that's one and the same thing, salvation through Christ. And Jesus is about salvation. So it's the same thing, our salvation and our Savior. To come to a unity, to believe alike about what is salvation and what is Jesus or who is Jesus. And that is God's heart's desire for us to come to unity into that place. We also looked at being established in the truth um, so that we aren't swayed by new teaching. We looked at what is new teaching, how do we define new teaching. And it was really an awesome time together. I trusted you were blessed. If you missed out, you can get that on SoundCloud or on our Facebook page. Now it's time for us to sound like a cult. Are you guys ready? Repeat after me. Just a joke. Uh, if you're new with us, we're not a cult at all. We're going to open up the Bible. We're going to get into the Word. And it's going to be awesome. And uh, we love also just, uh, just speaking out the Word of God and just uh, opening up our hearts and partaking. So you guys can repeat after me if you feel like it. A good word. Is a challenging word. Now say it like you mean it. A good word is a challenging word. Oftentimes we, we come to church and we want to receive an encouraging word, right? We want to we wanna like feel good. We want to like have someone like 
stroke us on the back. It's like, wow, like, you're so sweet. You're so kind. And that's awesome. And there's a, there's a time and place for that. But that doesn't always help us grow up, right? That doesn't always help us grow up. Even with Chris, like I've, I've had to like discern. Chris, Chris is our son who's uh, turned one years old. And uh, what I've learned really over this past year is that, especially now, because he's standing up a lot, he's learning to walk, and he's kind of going through that, that phase. And oftentimes, I, I can see he's going to fall or he's going to do something. And I just want to kind of protect him the whole time. I just want to kind of uh, make sure he doesn't fall at any given time. And if we do that too much, like he's going to get to a place where he might get onto a high chair and be like, oh, like I've, I've never fallen. I don't know how this feels. So that is just behind me. So let's just like fall backwards and then boom, and then I'm not there. And so we have to gauge where they're at and try and help them see like if they do something specific, then um, they might get hurt. And they learn through those moments of maybe getting hurt at times. And that's not how God works with us. He doesn't cause us to get hurt or he doesn't cause us to go through difficulties to teach us something. We have his word and we have his Holy Spirit. But what I want to just share with you guys with regards to good word being a challenging word, Sometimes we need to hear a challenging word to mature. Sometimes we need to just uh, hear something that isn't just kind of, oh, that's nice, but hear the truth because we need to share the truth in love. And so the love is there for the encouragement, but the truth is there also for us to grow, right? If we're just going to share love, 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 um, and especially with the, the world's definition of love, we're not going to see people mature. But when we see the, 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 the way the word encourages us to share those two together, sometimes it is going to be challenging. And we shouldn't be offended at the challenges because the challenges are there to help us grow and help us mature. Amen. Ephesians 4 to 6, like I said, it's challenging. It's showing us what could be or rather what should be. So there's a lot in Ephesians chapter 4 that we've already looked at and we're still going to look at that is very challenging. And it's fine to, to see something in Ephesians 4, 5, and 6 and, and be like, oh, I'm not quite there yet. I, I, I'm not maybe, I'm, I'm, I'm struggling in this area. I'm not necessarily seeing the fruit um, in that way that the word is describing it. But then it's fine. Just acknowledge it because denial isn't going to get you anywhere. Acknowledge that there's an area of growth, an area of maturing for you. And then allow the Holy Spirit to show that you are empowered to mature to that place. The love of Christ is your empowering to push you into that um, area of growth, area of fruitfulness. But we need to acknowledge this. This is where we're at. And uh, we looked at verse 15 last week, and we're going to um, dig into a little bit more into verse 15. So you guys can open up Ephesians 4.15. And look at a, a few different translations quickly. So Ephesians 4.15 from the Passion first, it says, But instead, we will remain strong and always sincere in our love as we express the truth. All our direction and ministries will flow from Christ and lead us deeper into him, the anointed, the head of his body, the church. Now, we often read this specific verse, and I've done it before as well. And this past week, it was really awesome. I was just reminded again, where it's sharing about, uh, in the King James specifically, sharing the truth and love. We need to share the truth and love. And oftentimes, we, we're approaching that verse from the point of view of, I need to share the truth and love. I need to go and I need to step out and I need to share the truth and love. And yes, that's a truth. But we also need to remember that Ephesians is written to a church community. And there's going to be times where we share the truth and love. 
But I love how the Amplified Classic, we'll look at that in a moment now, how it explains it, because it explains this point that I'm going to make now is we also need to receive the truth and love, right? It's not just about you going out and sharing the truth and love and just going at it, but we also need to be open to receive the truth in love. And that's a little bit more difficult, right? Because it's fun to share the truth when you're walking in that truth and cover it with some love and say like, here's the truth and love. But when that same truth that we may be challenged with or not walking in is coming at us from a brother or sister in Christ, like, we like get a little bit agitated. We're like, oh, why, why did you have to now come and share that with me? Or, and that is not, that's not going to help us grow. When we receive the truth and love, we're going to grow. And so let's be open to receive the truth and love as much as we are open to share the truth in love. Then it says, uh, uh, and always sincere in our love as we express the truth. Okay. And then all our direction and ministries, I love it says this, will flow from Christ and lead us deeper into him, the anointed one, the head of his body, the church. And so Ephesians chapter four, what we looked at already is this, the, the, the ministry of the Holy Spirit. And we looked at the diversities of gifts of the one gift, the Holy Spirit. And again, verse 15, his purpose our direction and ministries will flow from Christ and lead us deeper into him. Flow from Christ, that's the spirit of God in us, and that ministry and all of our ministries should lead us deeper into Christ. Not deeper into all bunch of different things, deep into the reality of who is Christ in us. It's not about leading us to more money, right? It's not about leading us to more whatever, material gain and possessions. That is not leading us deep into Christ. And the purpose of the Holy Spirit is to lead us deep into Christ. God's will, God's desires for all men to be saved and to come to knowledge of the truth, right? And so the Holy Spirit's purpose and his ministry is going to lead us to a deep understanding of who Christ is because by default, God's love is for the world, for every man, for every person to be saved. So there'll be an overflow of evangelism and overflow of ministering the gospel to the lost when we are led deeper into him because he is all about love and he's all about reaching the lost amen do you guys know that we often kind of like acknowledge like yeah yeah yeah, yeah. but let me ask you this if you really believe something what is that going to lead to can lead to something it's going to lead to you doing something great example if i said hey guys the first guy to be up at this pulpit i'm going to give you ten thousand rand like if I, if I, wait, 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 I'm not, I'm not saying that's what I'm going to do, but if there was any, like, if there was any evidence that I'm going to follow through on that statement, then you would be up here to receive that 10,000 Rand. And it's the same thing with regards to anything in the word. If we really believe something, it's going to lead to change. It's going to lead to us stepping out in something. And so if we really believe that God's heart is for the whole world to be saved and to come to a deeper knowledge of who he is and his love for them, then we're going to be, want to be partakers in making that come true. It's very simple. It's not complicated. It's like saying, I really value the advancing of the gospel and for missionaries to go out into the world, to Albania, to Zimbabwe, or to all of these nations, um, to China. Is your finances lining up with that belief? A good word, is it? No, let me listen. Some of, you are, some of you are so challenged now that you don't want to repeat after me anymore. <laughs> I'm also challenged by this, right? The, the, the word that I'm sharing with you guys isn't like, okay, I've arrived. 
I'm, 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 I'm walking in every step of Jesus, every step of the way, bearing every fruit of the Holy Spirit at any given and every given time. No. This word that I'm sharing with you as I'm meditating and as I prepared it, I'm being challenged by the word and we're partaking together and I may be just communicating now on the behalf of God through the word and, and teaching the word um, to us this morning, but I'm also being challenged by these things and I also have to acknowledge, hey, a good word is a challenging word. Even when I'm receiving in other settings, maybe, whether it's uh, at our, our staff time or whether it's um, uh, going through Ronnebosch in the evening, we've got the, the church in Ronnebosch. Then as I'm sitting under the word, I'm also there ready to receive a challenging word because I know if I'm embracing it, I'm going to grow. If I'm acknowledging that I'm empowered to embrace this, I'm empowered to walk in this reality because of Christ in me, I just need to deal with my pride, my flesh, the carnal side of Etienne. And as I put that aside and I magnify Jesus, I can grow. And it just takes a few moments of just like, I'm not going to be offended. I'm not going to be offended. God's, God's desire for me is not to be offended. It's to grow. It's to excel in every area of my life. Let's look at the Amplified Classic. It says this, rather let our lives lovingly express truth. So let our lives lovingly express truth in all things, speaking truly, dealing truly, living truly. So again, it's, it's uh, beautifully illustrating this point of there's a, there's a sharing the truth of love, but there's also receiving the truth in love. Then it says, enfolded in love, let us grow up in every way, in all things, into him who is the head, even Christ, the Messiah, the anointed one. This is awesome. This is beautiful. Now, what causes a tree to grow? There's different nourishments. There's different aspects. There's different elements. You need water. You need nourishing soil. You need um, uh, sun. Like you need sun rays for, the, for, for, the, um, for a tree to grow, for fruit to grow. A plant to grow. Now, our soil is God's love. If we look at soil, just a plant being grounded or being planted in soil, we need to be grounded in love. The scripture says to be rooted and grounded in love. And this also says now, enfolded in love, let us grow up. That is where growth happens. That is where maturity comes from, is when we are enfolded in a place of love, firstly and primarily. And when we are enfolded in love, it also makes it easier for us to receive the truth, even when it's challenging. When, when for example, someone that really loves me comes to me and says, like, Etienne, like, uh, the way that you uh, dealt with that person or the way you did that, like, it, something sat different with me or it wasn't nice to see, then because I know that person is coming at love towards me and because I know that in that moment, you, who of you know that whenever you do something silly, stupid, sinful, in that moment, you knew you weren't supposed to do it? Anyone of you, like, before you did it, like, there was a, there was a knowing, like, mm, shouldn't do that right now. I shouldn't go there right now. And it's not the Holy Spirit reminding us or convicting us of sin because he convicts the world of sin, John chapter 16, but he convicts us of our righteousness. So at any given moment, there's a righteous a uh, voice speaking to us, you are righteous, you are my son, this is your identity, this is your, this is your calling as a son of God. Like Christ, you've been created in his image. So 24-7, this is the Holy Spirit's ministry at us. So whenever we want to step into an arena that is contrary to that, uh, our, our new nature, our new identity, there's a knowing that this is counter my nature before you even do it. That's awesome. 
Because that can save us a lot of trouble, right? That can save us a lot of um, bad relationships. Can I get an amen? Now, all we need to do is listen and incline our ears to the Holy Spirit's leading so that we don't do those stupid things that we often do. Don't step in the, into those messes that we often step into. But God is continually just ministering to us our identity, our righteousness, our oneness with Christ. And as we just listen and as we just allow him to love us, we will um, prevent ourselves from a lot of mess. But let us grow up in every way. Grow up, the translations, other translations talking about mature. And last week, we, we kind of uh, also got into some uh, repeating there. But God desires for us to mature. God desires for us to grow up in every way and all things into him who is the head. Now, the awesome thing also with being enfolded in love, this picture brings us security. Now, the opposite of security is insecurity. Now, insecurity is, a, is not a nice place to be at. Maybe you are insecure in some areas in your life. Maybe um, you're in a, you've been in a relationship where the other person is insecure. And it's not a fun relationship to be in when there's insecurity. And that's why we need the love of Christ. That's why we need to allow ourselves to be enfolded in his love because from that place, there's a security and there's a, there's a, it doesn't give room for the devil to come and lie to us because he wants to deceive us to think that we aren't worthy. We aren't good enough. We aren't loved by God. He hasn't forgiven us. Our sin hasn't been blotted out. Our sin hasn't been removed from us as far as the east is from the west. So there's continual lies that the devil wants to come and speak to us to make us feel insecure because as we are insecure, we won't be able to grow. It takes security to say, hey, I am wrong. It takes a secure person to say and to acknowledge, I am wrong. I haven't arrived. I don't know it all. That's one of the things that we minister to our leaders on a regular basis is don't pretend like you know it all because you don't know it all. Even if you think you know it all, you don't. You don't know it all. So if pretending to know it all at any given and every given circumstance or situation, you are portraying your insecurity to the people you're leading. So when the opportunity arises, when you've made a mistake or when you've done something wrong, be very quick to acknowledge it. You can ask Catherine. I'm very quick to say that I'm sorry, I'm wrong. That doesn't make me perfect, but I've purposed that. I've purposed to lay aside my flesh, my carnality, in those moments where I've been wrong, where I've acted in, a, in, a, in, a, in an ungodly way. And so I'm quick to apologize, say I was wrong in that regard. I shouldn't have done it that way, or I shouldn't have said that. And so it doesn't make me perfect, but it's something, and it's an area in my life that I've purposed to be quick about acknowledging that I'm wrong. Because I've grown in my security and who I am as a child of God and my identity as his son. Now let's look at the, the big O word. Oh, offense. Offense is one of our biggest hindrances to maturity. So we see in Ephesians, it's talking about maturity. Ephesians 4, 5, and 6 is this picture of maturity. Proverbs 4, verse 23 says, Guard your heart above all else, for it determines the course of your life. Guard your heart above all else, for it determines the course of your life. In the same way we can guard our hearts against evil things, we can also guard our hearts against good things. What does that mean? It seems like counterproductive. We can close our hearts off to the things that God wants to show us. We can because of offense, because of 
uh, um, pride. We can close our hearts off to the things that God has for us. And that's why like when we started uh, just praising God and just worshiping with our, with our voices and with musical instruments, we open up with thanksgiving. To focus again on the good things that we've got, to, to, to magnify God and to be thankful for the good things we've got because that opens up uh, for him to minister to us and it creates receptiveness from us. But when we are offended and when we, we guard our hearts against the good things that God has got for us, it prevents us from growing, prevents us from maturing. Let's dig a little bit deeper into this topic. Matthew chapter 15. It's important to keep our hearts free from offense. Why is that? Matthew 15. Why is it important? Matthew 15 verse 1 to 12 from the Passion says, Then the Pharisees and religious scholars came from Jerusalem and approached Jesus with this question. Why do your disciples ignore the traditions of your elders, of, of our elders? For example, they don't ceremonially wash their hands before they eat bread. Jesus answered, And why do you ignore the commandment of God because of your traditions? For didn't God say, Honor your father and mother, and whoever abuses or insults his father or mother must be put to death that's quite harsh right let's continue reading verse five but you teach that it's permissible to say to your parents when they are in financial need whatever gift you would have received from me i can keep for myself since i dedicated it as an offering to god this doesn't honor your father or mother and you have elevated your tradition above the word of god frauds and hypocrites as i described you perfectly when he said these people honor me only with their words, for their hearts are so very distant from me. They pretend to worship me, but their worship is nothing more than empty traditions of men. Then Jesus turned to the crowd and said, come listen and open your heart to understand. What truly contaminates a person is not what he puts into his mouth, but what comes out of his mouth. That's what makes people defiled. Then the disciples approached him and said, don't you know that you, what you just said offended the Pharisees? Okay, so there's a whole bunch in there. But I just wanted to, um, I'll draw just a few things here. Verse 6, firstly there. You've elevated your tradition above the word of God. And we see this continually throughout the, 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 the ministry of Jesus where he comes, he comes against or there's an opposing force coming against him. The, the, the scribes, the Pharisees, the Sadducees, the guys who, who knew the scriptures. They knew all about the scriptures and they didn't, really understand what the scriptures were about and we see in luke chapter 24 john chapter 5 which we won't get into this morning where jesus has to break down what the scriptures meant so that they could understand that it pointed to him and here in verse 12 it's funny how the disciples come to jesus and say don't you know that what you said offended the pharisees now i want to ask you this question do you think jesus knew that they were going to be offended Shame, but doesn't Jesus then mean by um, saying it in any ways? No, he wasn't mean because he was sharing the truth and love. Oftentimes we want to sidestep sharing the truth or sidestep even receiving the truth for the sake of, ah, but that's not love. That's not loving. That's not being graceful. And that is passes that mindset, uh, uh, un and, uh, that unhealthy mindset of the love and the grace of God has pacified so many believers and maybe some of us this morning to the place where we never share the truth. We never share the reality that after this life, there's another life. And either it's united with the love of Christ for all of eternity, never being separated from all of the good that we've experienced, love, joy, peace. 
for all of eternity, or it's a life separated from all things good for all of eternity. It's quiet in here. But this is something we need to, need to come to grips with because it is the truth. And yes, maybe someone's going to be offended at that truth. But would you rather have them be offended right now and potentially receive the truth somewhere, even if it's not in the moment, somewhere in their future before they die? Or would you rather just say, hey, I'm not going to share the truth with them because I don't want them to be offended. Let's just enjoy this, this life here on earth and not step on any toes because eternity isn't that long, really, if you think about it. I'm just being sarcastic. Sometimes my face doesn't give away my sarcasm. Um, this is really important. Going back to verse 6, you've elevated your traditions above the word of God. Frauds and hypocrites. Again, that doesn't sound very nice. Jesus, you're calling the guys frauds and hypocrites. Oftentimes we need to just kind of hear a heavy, hard truth just to be shaken a little bit, even drop a bomb. Just sometimes in between, just to like, Make you like realize, hey, like, I don't know it all, maybe. I'm like, I'm still growing in this area. And then we come around with some love and we hug each other and we say, like, I love you. But it's important sometimes to just be shaken in a moment and consider and think about, hey, am I just playing church? Am I just playing Christianity? At Grace Life Tigerberg, we're not about playing church. We're not about creating a comfortable environment for everyone to just enjoy comfortable, encouraging word every Sunday and at life group and all of our other meetings. We're about equipping the saints, as Ephesians chapter 4 says, equipping the saints so that we can mature, so that we can establish God's kingdom here on earth. Now, maybe you don't want to mature, and that's fine. We can't kick you out of the church. God isn't going to love you less for not wanting to mature. But if you understand the love of Christ and you're really walking in relationship with Him, and with one another, you're not going to be able to help but mature. But we need to purpose this. These people honor me only with their words, but their hearts are so very distant from me. They pretend to worship me, but their worship is nothing more than the empty traditions of men. And we see this throughout the scripture, throughout Jesus' ministry. People got confused about a whole bunch of things. Even the disciples were confused about a whole bunch of things. They didn't understand him dying they thought about him being this Messiah and he's just going to come and kick down doors and like karate chop people <laughs> and bring back the kingdom uh, of God and restore the kingdom to Israel. And then there he goes and he gets crucified. Seems like a very like a, um, what do you call it? A anticlimax of this, 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 this Messiah coming to save and redeem the world. Then obviously they didn't know what the, what the story was about and, he was raised from the dead and the spirit was poured out and then all of their lives changed and it was awesome. But an offended heart is an unreceptive heart. If your heart is offended, you're going to be unreceptive. An offended heart is the heart of a person who won't see transformation in their lives. And all of us, I believe, want to see transformation in our lives. But if you're going to be an offended person and you're going to have a heart that is offended, you won't be able to see the transfer transformation. Mark chapter 4, verse 16 to 17 says, And these are they, this is the parable of the sower. We're just going to look at these two verses. and says, And these are they likewise which are sown on stony ground, who when they have heard the word, immediately receive it with gladness, and have no root in themselves, and so endure but for a time afterwards, when affliction or persecution arises for the work's sake, 
immediately they are offended. So it's not the affliction and the persecution that caused unfruitfulness in that specific ground condition, in that specific heart condition, because that is the parable. It's talking about the four different ground conditions which represents the heart of man. And it's not the persecution that arose for the word's sake that caused unfruitfulness. It's the offense in the heart that caused the unfruitfulness. It's becoming offended at the things that we haven't necessarily come to see. Because remember, it's all fine and hunky-dory when, you, when you're walking with someone side to side as a team, when you're in agreement about everything, right? And then in marriage, you come to a point where you want a specific car and your wife wants another car. Now you're in disagreement about something. And now it becomes a little bit more challenging because why do you choose now? Now it's a silly example and um, first world problems, having to choose the, 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 the car that you are deciding and in light of eternity, it's not going to matter. So stop wasting time. And um, the important thing is it's all fun and like kind of just pleasant and we all agreeing on the same thing and we walk in the same line and then disagreements come and you have, if you haven't had a disagreement with your wife just yet, you will probably have one in the future and vice versa. Wives, if you haven't had this disagreement with your husband just yet, then they will come and we have to purpose and decide in our hearts in that moment, is this something worth quarreling over or not? Is this something worth um, kind of sitting down on and really discussing? And in light of eternity, what difference is this going to make? In light of eternity, this disagreement or seeing this thing differently in light of eternity, is this going to mean anything? Is this making any difference? So the persecution came for the word's sake, and then there was offense taken, and that offense caused unfruitfulness. But if you see verse 16, it says, and they immediately received it with gladness, because it's creating this picture again of like, oh, it's fun, it's, it's nice, I like what I'm hearing, and there's gladness. And then there's persecution that comes or there's a disagreement that comes and if you're not rooted and established in your identity as a child of God and his love for you then that disagreement is going to cause you to be offended and you won't be able to grow past that disagreement second Timothy 4 verse 3 says for the time is coming when they will no longer listen and respond to the healing words of truth because they will become selfish and proud none of us right they will seek out teachers with soothing words that line up with their desires, saying just what they want to hear. This shows the attitude of a person who doesn't want to grow. Because if you're just following teachers who are saying exactly what you want to hear, you're saying you're a person who doesn't want to be challenged. And a person who doesn't want to be challenged is a person who's not going to grow. If you're just following people who are just continuing just speaking what you want to say or what you want to believe, what you think about X, Y, and Z, you have to ask yourself the question. It's not by default the case, but you have to ask yourself the question. Do you fall into this camp of 2 Timothy 4 verse 3? Because there is a time coming and that time has already come. It's been here for hundreds of years. For the time is coming when they will no longer listen and respond to healing words of truth. Again, truth. The truth and love. Healing words of truth because they will become selfish and proud. Because that's offense. Being prideful. They will seek out teachers with soothing words that line up with their desires, saying just what they want to hear. This is a picture of avoiding all conflict in order to not be offended. Avoiding all conflict in order not to be offended 
really makes it easy and it makes it pleasant. But conflict often is the, someone said this once, conflict is the porthole to a renewed mind. Because you don't know what you don't know, right? You don't know what you don't know. And then when you get into a moment where there's a truth shared, maybe that you've never heard before, if you're going to be offended just because you haven't heard this before, or even the person who's bringing it to you had a different truth five years ago, you're going to be offended, right? Because why did they lie to you five years ago? They didn't lie to you five years ago. They didn't know anything else better five years ago. Is there things that you know today that you didn't know 10 years ago? Anyone in this room who's, who's learned new things? I hope so. So were you lied 10 years ago when you said it differently? No, you didn't know better 10 years ago. And so when we come to this place of, of uh, uh, avoiding all conflict and just lining up with, with people who are just praising us and speaking everything that we want to say and everything that we want to hear, we have to just stop and ask, have I fallen into this camp? Are seeking out teachers with soothing words that line up with my desires, saying just what I want to hear. Because if you're falling into that camp, then you're going to struggle to grow and you're not going to see the fruitfulness that God desires for you to see. And it's not to be condemned, it's to be liberated. Because the truth isn't there to condemn you. John 8.32 says the truth is there to set you free. Mark 6 verse 3 to 6 says, Then they scoffed. He's just a carpenter, the son of Mary, and the brother of James, Joseph, Judas, and Simon. And his sister lived right here among us. They were deeply offended and refused to believe in him. Then Jesus told them, a prophet is honored everywhere except in his own hometown and among his relatives and his own family. And because of their unbelief, he couldn't do many miracles among them except to place his hands on a few sick people and heal them. They were deeply offended and refused to believe him. Offense will prevent you from receiving from God. As we saw here, these people were offended at Jesus because they looked at the carnal. As we saw previously in Matthew 15, there was traditions of men that they held on to so dearly that they didn't see the Messiah. That they didn't see the desire of God for his spirit to live in man. That they didn't see Jesus as a Messiah coming to prepare or to, to be prepared to be slaughtered to be the sacrifice for sin once and for all time so that we can have the Spirit of God live in us as God desired from the beginning of time in the garden for Adam and Eve to eat of the fruit of life. But then they ate of the fruit of the tree of knowledge of good and evil. And sin entered. But Jesus came and he made a way for sin to be dealt with so that we can again receive that Spirit to be united with God, to have perfect communion with him, unbroken fellowship. 24-7, but not just have that communion, but have that communion to the place of where there's an overflow, where there's a maturing, where there's a much fruitfulness in our lives. But they were deeply offended and refused to believe in him. And because of that, there was unbelief. There was an inability to believe who Jesus was. And for that matter, or for that reason, Jesus didn't perform any miracles. It's not that that Jesus didn't want to, but there was a hindrance there. And it wasn't that people misunderstand this, 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 this scripture often. It's generally the people who misunderstand the sovereignty and the, the mightiness of God. But God has bound himself to his word. Yes, God is almighty. He's all powerful. But he's bound himself to his word, meaning that he's not going to go against his word. So when the scripture says that 
God resists the proud and he gives more grace to the humble. It's not that God is going out of his way to resist the proud person. It's just the law that has been written. The same way that gravity has been written. Gravity isn't going to change. Gravity is going to stay. It's going to be there always. Now, if you want to believe or if you do not want to believe in the law of gravity and go stand on a 10-story building and jump off of that building, did you kill yourself or did God kill you? You killed yourself. But you can go and say, yeah, but God created gravity, so in effect, he killed me. Man, you get some interesting people believing some interesting things. So God wrote the, the law of a prideful person, so to speak, cannot receive from him. And it's not God resisting the prideful person. It's the person's pride preventing them from receiving from God. In the same way, uh, an offended person cannot receive from God. They cannot grow. They cannot mature. They cannot receive the good things that God has got for them. Ephesians 4, 16 to 17, coming to a close, says, For because of him, the whole body, the church, and all its various parts, closely joined and firmly knit together by the joints and ligaments with which it's supplied, when each part with power adapted to its need is working properly in all its functions, grows to full maturity. Say maturity. So it grows to full maturity, building itself up in love. So this I say and solemnly testify in the name of the Lord, as in his presence, that you must no longer live as the heathen, the Gentiles, do in their perversiveness, in the folly, vanity, and emptiness of their souls and futility of their minds. So again, this, this picture of, just want to read verse 16 again. For because of him, talking about Jesus, the whole body closely joined and firmly knit together by the joints and ligaments with which it's supplied when each part is working properly, grows to full maturity, building itself up in love. Now, this is really beautiful. And Paul writes about the body in, in Corinthians as well where we've got the, the different members, but the same purpose, the same, the same Holy Spirit, the same gifting, and that same Holy Spirit, as we looked at two weeks ago or three weeks ago, the Holy Spirit's gifting in us to bring maturity, to bring about maturity, not just to bring about signs, wonders, and miracles. A lot of believers are about, I want to I wanna see a healing. I want to do that. But how much of that is motivated by seeing that person actually healed more than seeing yourself see a healing or see yourself touching someone else with a miracle? A lot of Christianity has become very consumerist, very self-centered, all about what I can get, all about what I can see, and very little about actually bearing the fruit of love. And this is also, man, focusing on love will will safeguard you against offense. When you focus on love and God's love for you, God's love for your fellow brother, your fellow sister in Christ, it will safeguard you to offense and you don't want to fall into this trap of offense. It's a snare. It's going to prevent you from receiving from what God has got for you this morning. Oftentimes we, I was always frustrated and uh, I want to blame the devil and I don't know if it was the devil and if it was just my immaturity, but I can remember um, when we were still traveling to Stellenbosch um, from, uh, from uh, this side, um, when, we haven't, when we didn't have uh, Tigerberg Church, we traveled to Stellenbosch, my wife and I, and man, for some reason on a Sunday morning, everything would just go wrong. And you'd be sitting in that car, 
so frustrated. You're like, you're going to church now. You need to go now. And it's going to be a time of receiving from God. You're going to minister to people. But man, you're just like, now it's a 30 minute car driving. <laughs> and it, you can cut the silence in the car. And you're like, oh man, Jesus, help me. <laughs> How am I supposed to overflow with love and compassion right now? Because it just, I don't feel like it. It doesn't feel right. It feels hypocritical and all of those lies of the devil. And it's really important to, to keep love at the center of what we're doing. And, and because it's going to prevent us when we're offended and when we, when we fall into that trap of the devil, like it hinders us, it blocks us from God. God doesn't mind. But for us and our minds, we block it off as it ends off there. And the emptiness in their souls and the futility of their minds. Paul writes about this. We need to be transformed by the renewing of our minds. Ephesians 4, 18 to 20, last passage. It says, and their corrupted logic has been clouded because their hearts are so far from God. Or their hearts are offended. Their hearts are closed off. So far from God. So far from the truth. So far from the reality. The scribes and the Pharisees, again, they knew the scriptures. They were brought up in the scriptures. They were taught the scriptures. They were... They were reciting the scriptures. They knew them all by, by heart, so to speak. But it wasn't their heart. It was their minds. It was the intellect. They knew it all by intellect, not by revelation. Their hearts were so far from God. Their blinded understanding and deep-seated moral darkness keeps them from the true knowledge of God. Because of spiritual apathy, they surrender their lives to lewdness, impurity, sexual obsession, but this is not the way of life that Christ has unfolded within you. But this is not the way of life that Christ has unfolded within you. Again, we need to ask on a, on a regular basis when we are challenged with the word or when we get into the word and we see something challenging or we see certain aspects of a person in the Bible, whether it's Paul or one of the disciples or one of the apostles, and we're like, man, I want to be more like that person or, or there's a challenging way that they dealt with a specific group of people that I haven't maybe seen myself dealing with in that manner. We need to ask ourselves, am I ready to mature? Do I want to mature or do I just want to kind of take the easy way, take the easy way out? Because you can sidestep maturity. Like I said, uh, if you're just heaping up teachers, for example, in Second Timothy, heaping up teachers, they just speak what you want to hear. It can be difficult to mature under that specific teaching, especially if you're going from, from one teacher, okay, and no, I don't like what they had to say now, and then you move on to the next teacher, and then, uh, no, they, they, I don't like the way they say that, or, and then you move on to the next teacher. Like, how are you going to mature in that place? It's like um, dating. Man, we're not going to go into that as a topic uh, today, but dating in a large sense is very ungodly. Why? Because... You go into a relationship and you like these few things about this girl or about this guy. And then there's something about them that you don't like. And then you go on to the next one. And then like there's something you don't like. And then you go on to the next one. And then 10 relationships later in a matter of maybe five years, you meet someone who's not, they, they, they're definitely more perfect than the previous one. And now it's time for you to get married because you got older, right? Because there's seasons of life. I'm being sarcastic. You're getting older, and so now you realize, okay, everyone of your friends have gotten married, so now you also need to get married. So like, it hasn't worked out the last 10 guys, but this guy, at least he's, he brushes his teeth every day. And you get married, 
And what habits have you formed for your life? To get out when there's an indifference. To get out when there's a disagreement. If there's something you don't like. And now what's the option for you? Divorce. That's why two-thirds of divorces in South Africa, at least, I don't know what the stats are on uh, across the world, end up in divorce. Two-thirds of marriages end up in divorce. Why? Because people aren't doing it with the love of Christ. People aren't seeing the purpose of it, the way that God designed it. And it's the same with in Christian circles with regards to moving from one church to another church, one marriage to another marriage, so to speak. Ah, I didn't like what that pastor had to say. Go to the next one. Guess what? Until Jesus reappears, you're not going to like everything the pastor has to say. I can give you an easy way out. Maybe you become a pastor. Then you like everything you have to say. Who are you going to pastor? People. And guess what's going to happen? The people aren't going to like everything you have to say. It's a sell-out moment. We need to purpose and decide and determine. I want to mature. I want to grow in the things that God has got for me. And that means sometimes it's going to be a challenge. Sometimes it's going to be difficult. Sometimes it's going to be a persevering. And the word talks about we need to persevere, persevere, um, endure sound doctrine, endure good teaching. Endurance is me. It means effort. Maybe you're enduring this morning. You're like, man, I hope he finishes. It's five past 11, like five minutes after. Like, I hope like this finishes. Like your flesh is struggling this morning. Thank you for endearing, not getting up and walking away. God has got something for you still this morning. We need to purpose keeping our hearts free from offense. Because every day, probably for the rest of your life, especially within the family of God, you're going to have opportunities to be offended. That's not a prophecy. It just, it's the way the devil works. It causes this unity by causing us to be offended. The things God has for His church won't be received where offense is easily taken. Let's share the truth in love and let's receive the truth in love too. Amen. We'd love to hear from you. If you'd like to connect with us or if you'd like us to pray with you, please contact us at info at gracelife.co. If you'd like to order more resources or discover more about us, you can visit our website at www.gracelife.co or find us on Twitter, Facebook and YouTube.